what a day. What a day. Today is two days after our nine-year anniversary as a church. Uh, yeah, you can clap for that. It's good. And today also brings with it, as we felt when we first got here, as the first of us started getting here today to set up and get ready for church, there was this uh, interesting thing that happened with almost everybody. It was this dual feeling, both of joy and also sorrow. There's a lot of emotions involved. Because what was isn't anymore, but what is is very exciting to, to be a part of. There's a scripture in Ezra when the exiles were coming back to rebuild the temple. It says this. It says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with the trumpets and with the Levites, with symbols took the, their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good and his love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. And I just want to put it out there. It's not necessarily part of the message, except that I realize that what was isn't anymore. As far as some people that you would expect to be here, there are new people. It's a little different in the room. What do I expect? What do we do? But as in Ezra, the foundation is laid. This house's foundation is laid. And it's that foundation that we have to build this house on. A uh, number of weeks ago, the staff and I went off to a, a day retreat, Chandelier Grove. <laughs> Not trying to plug it or anything, but that's where we went. Chandelier Grove, it's in Tomball. <laughs> I just plugged it, didn't I? And what we went to do was to answer a question. The answer is, the question was, what is church? Not just what is church, but who is the church? And what is its purpose? And I think it's a question we have to answer, right? It's a question that we have to become familiar with again in order to move forward together as God's people. So we're going to talk about it today. And it's interesting that the answer is actually really, really simple. Right? So there's a story... <laughs> There's a story of a Bible study teacher, a Sunday school teacher, and he's got some kids around him, you know, and they're all looking up, ready. He's asking this question. And in church, right, the question, the answer to the question is always pretty straightforward. So we asked him, he says, now, what is, it's little, it's furry, it's got a big bushy tail, it collects nuts, and it lives up in the trees. Kids looked at him, kind of like with a squared look. One kid raised his hand a little tenderly and says, I think it's a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. <laughs> right? Because in church, the answer is always Jesus. And what's interesting is the simple answer to us moving forward is, in fact, Jesus. And we kind of scratch, is it really that easy? Is it really that simple? Like, what if that was the answer? What if that's actually what we did as a church? What if Jesus... Is what we lifted up. I wonder if that'd be enough for us. 
If moving forward every, every Sunday, and throughout, if you're like, well, we know we're going to go lift up the name of Jesus. They might not have what the other churches have, but they do have Jesus. Would you still come? Don't answer, it's rhetorical. You wrestle with that a little bit. And I wonder if we think that's actually, if that is actually enough, right? We have a tendency to kind of help the power of God in people's lives. You do it too. I do it. We like to help guys who are like, yeah, Jesus is enough, but hey, check out this cool thing we're doing. Jesus is enough, but oh, hey, we've got the best childcare in town. Jesus is enough, but hey, we've got to have a great student ministry. Jesus is enough, but make sure you're providing me with some things that I really want to have so I don't have to do anything. Not you, but people that you know. Like, is Jesus, if, is Jesus enough? Would we, would we still tithe if Jesus was enough? Would we still serve if Jesus was enough? If Jesus was enough? And slow down, I'm getting a little crazy. Is it actually enough? This is a question. And I wonder, would we still come if that's what we were doing? If that's all that we were doing? We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 10. And I'll give you a little context while we're, while we're turning there. The foundation is laid for the church. And it is, the foundation is Jesus. And we are actually his house. We, not this, but we are his house. Listen, last six months, I know y'all don't want to hear about this today because some of you have been getting at me this last six months. Right? That's okay. That's okay. Some people are mad at me because we're having church. Some people are mad at me because we're not having church. So here's my question. What is the church? And what should we expect moving forward? Jesus gives us this really great example. Right? This really great example of what we should be about. And who it is that should be doing it. Luke chapter 10. I'll give you a little background before we get there. Backing up in uh, chapter 9, he's, he's, there's an argument that breaks out. Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? You know what Jesus says? The least is the greatest. Not the one who's got the most, but the least. The one who serves the most. The one who gives the most. The one who surrenders the most. The one who's at the bottom, not the top. That's actually the person who's at the top. He talks about some favoritism. He offers, there's a, some opposition. He says, look, I don't show favorites. Whether you're Jew or Samaritan, I'm not playing favorites. Then he talks about the cost of following him. He, he gets, this is great. I'm going to read this just because we do the same thing, right? Jesus, I need you to fill in the blank. I'll follow you if, Jesus. So here's the question. As they're walking along the road, this is chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, this isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. And he said to the, another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. That sounds like reasonable. Let me go take care of some family stuff, Jesus. Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Don't let nostalgia get in the way of your purpose. It sounds, that, that sounds very unfeeling to me, I'm not going to lie, right? Jesus is like, hey, yeah, go do what I told you to do. I know there's some things that are hurting your heart, but hey, I want you to follow me anyway. 
That's hard to reconcile sometimes. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. And then he sends 72 out. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he's about to go. And this is what he told them. The harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of people that need to hear about the kingdom of God. There are plenty of people who need to find salvation in me. There are plenty of people that need to know about the love and grace and mercy of me, God. But there's not enough people to tell them. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is not how we come to church, is it? No, this is how we come to church. We come to church wanting a service for us. Again, people you know, nobody in this room, but other people we talk about. For a service that we can review aptly and tell you if we like it or not, and then you will adjust and change it to meet our needs. That is what the American church is all about. But Jesus says, hey, listen. He doesn't say any of that. He talks about sending out and going. He says, go. Go. We'll talk about what coming to church is about in a little bit. Now that you're mad at me. He says, go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. All the kids are like, cool. Lambs among wolves. He's saying, Listen, you're supposed to have a tender heart, but you're going to need a thick skin. And when you go, people aren't going to like it. People are not going to like you saying there is only one way to heaven. People are not going to like you hearing that we are all sinners and are in need of a savior. People aren't going to like it. But I'm sending you out to go do it anyway. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. Those were the message. His message was very simple and very clear. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Turn away from what you're doing. Go towards God. He's coming soon. Man, that's not water cooler talk at your office. I mean, what we generally do is we go and we like hint at people. You kind of see, we look for the people that might be Christians already. Right? And you look and you're like, kind of give them the look like, the, like are you one? Oh, oh, yeah, me too. Where do you go to church? And we start talking about Jesus. Man, but I'll tell you, it gets a lot harder to strike up a conversation with somebody you know is not a Christian. And figuring out a way, Lord, open the door for me to share the gospel. I'm go, I'm sending you out like a lamb among wolves. He says, don't take a bunch of stuff with you, but when you enter a house, accept what they give you. Eat the food they give you, right? We did this, uh, we went on a trip and uh, we were told up front, listen, whatever they serve, eat it. Don't make faces, don't make sounds, just eat their food because they probably spent their week's savings to make you dinner or lunch or whatever it was. And we did that. Take, eat what you get. And we were provided for. That's the way that God did it. And he goes on. He gives them some strong words about the people who would not accept them. He did not tell them, as you go and if somebody doesn't accept you, to obliterate them. To shove them out of their house and beat them up on the sidewalk. It doesn't say to go and win, win, win at all costs. It says, I will deal with those who come against you. So you don't need to worry about it. Only go and tell them the truth about the kingdom of God. That's what he tells them to do. And then down in verse 16. He says, he who listens to you listens to me. And he who rejects you rejects me. 
But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The idea is this. If they reject you or your message, it's not actually you they're rejecting. They're rejecting God Almighty, which I did for a long time. Some of you might have done that for a long time. Somebody come and tell you, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Man, that was dangerous to talk to me like that. I didn't want any part of that junk. So I was going to reject you. I was going to reject your dad. I was going to reject your dog. I was going to reject your sister. I was going to reject everything. I was going to make you feel bad about it. At the end of the day, do you know who I was actually rejecting? Jesus. I was actually rejecting God's work in my life. That would have been embarrassing if I'd have fallen. <laughs> and then the 72, they, they come back. The 72 come back from doing the work. And do you know what they said? They were excited about one thing. Right? This is what they said. They said, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Dang it. They missed it. They didn't talk. It wasn't like, Jesus, your name is so powerful. Jesus, your name does move mountains. They said, no, the demons submitted to us. We got to use your name for our own glory is another way to say it. Jesus, this program that I created, man, people really liked it. How often do we look at our effort in Jesus' name and get so joyful about that but miss the main thing? But miss the reason that we're here? And it's not that those things aren't valuable. It's not that those things aren't even important at times. But the disciples did the same thing we have a tendency to do. We look at how we work for the Lord. And we think that's what the church is about. And he says this. This is his reply. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However... That's not the main thing. He says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The authority over the enemy and I saw Satan, none of that matters. He was at the battle. He watched Satan fall. Right? He watched the end already. And he says, the main thing isn't that you can do all this cool stuff in Jesus' name. It is that your names are in heaven. And the thing that we should rejoice about isn't that our program got a whole bunch of butts in the seats. It should be that we depleted ourselves telling people about Jesus and somebody came into heaven and their names are now written in the book of life. He says it doesn't matter how powerful you are in your effort. It doesn't matter how many cool things you do. It doesn't matter how many services you have. How many people's names are written in heaven now because you went out And depleted yourself for my sake. Go. Like lambs among wolves. Peter was. um, After Pentecost came. the, The disciples were there. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke the glory of God. In languages that they had not spoken before. To people who could understand in their own language. And people got freaked out by that move of God in their life. They're like, oh, you guys are drunk and you guys are all sorts of crazy stuff. They were, they were claiming that some weird stuff was going on. 
And in Acts chapter two, it gets him in a bunch of hot water. Peter gets up and he starts telling him the truth about what's, he's like, we're not drunk, it's nine o'clock in the morning. This is what's going on. He starts to give them a history of the movement of God in their lives. History of movement of God in the world. And as he keeps going, he addresses the crowd, he's telling them all the stuff, and we get this wonderful, in Acts chapter two, we'll get to it in just a little bit, about what the believers were about. Peter heals a crippled beggar and it puts him in front of the Sanhedrin and Peter and John are there. And Peter says this word because it is as simple as Jesus. He says this. He said, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this. I, I secretly really want this to be me because I think it is so, like, awesome. Like, all the teenagers also want this to be, like, their experience. And secretly, this is the truth. Young people and kids can see through all the shade that happens in the church, just FYI. There's a lot of people that don't come to church or won't touch God because of us. Because we don't have lives that reflect what's in the word. Peter stood up and he says, you want to know how this cripple was healed? I've got nothing to give you and of myself. But know this, if you really want to know, this is a Gandalf moment. If anybody, Lord of the Rings, you shall not pass. This is one of those moments. He's standing on the bridge and he says, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. How is it that your marriage is is working right now? When you've gone through so much or everybody else has fallen apart, then know this. If you want to know how my marriage is restored, you want to know how I have forgiveness in my heart, then know this. You and all the people in your house, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that we stand okay. How is it that you seem to have favor in your job? Then know this. You and all of my bosses and everybody else who wants to know, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that I have anything to offer. Peter goes on, he says this. Verse 12, Acts chapter 4. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And then we hear in Philippians chapter 2, if we could be this, if this could, if this could um, be the identifying mark of Bayou City Fellowship, we might see the world change. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, Philippians 2. If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Good Lord, would you help us in this day? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. This is not the first time I've spoken this. But if the church could apply that scripture, husbands, if we could apply that scripture to our families, kids, if you could apply this scripture to your siblings, you wouldn't get in trouble as much. Teenagers, do you know how little trouble you'd get into? Do you know what your life would be like if you could apply this scripture? Church, if we did this, what would the world see? What would 
people outside the faith see of those inside the faith. If we were so humbled and we had the same love and the same purpose that we, people would just be like, man, what is wrong with him? Consider others better than yourselves. Apply that this week and you'll be doing okay. Consider others as better than yourselves. Consider others. Not consider yourself first and then others. Consider others as better than yourselves. Over and over and over. Every day when you wake up, when you're driving, Father, forgive me, I have sinned every single time I get in my car. Because nobody knows how to drive in this town. (laughs) And I do not consider others as better than myself. If I could, I would drive a tank. You know why? I could run everybody over and get where I wanted as soon as I wanted to get there. And I had to worry about anybody else's feelings. Consider everyone. Your attitude should be that same of Christ Jesus. Right? Who being in very nature was God. Didn't consider that something to be held on to. But he made himself nothing. Became obedient to death on a cross. And do you know what it says? That God gave him what his name was? Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. He gave him the name that is above every other name. It's above Pastor Johnny. It's above your parents. It's above, insert your favorite Christian celebrity, pastor, podcast guy that you listen to or girl that you listen to. Jesus' name is above that person too. His name is above the name of a church. His his name is above a name of anybody else in power or position. There is no higher name than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In that name we have our hope. In that name we have our future. In that name we have our provision. In that name and that name alone we have our salvation. So why, why, why do we as the church so often try to build our house on ourselves? What sets us apart? I'm going to read these distinctives. These are actual distinctives of our church. I'm going to read them out loud. And I'm going to read them off here so I don't forget. What, when people look at us as a family, what should they see? This is what's been set up and this is what will continue. We exist for the glory of God. We will lift up the name of Jesus above every other name. We will welcome the active and empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit. We will aim to please God with unshakable faith. We will be passionate worshipers. We will preach and teach the Bible as the authoritative word of God. We will be a house of prayer. We need to stretch those legs out a little bit. We will be relentless in spreading the gospel through words and actions. Did you know that if you're a part of Bayou City Fellowship, do you agree to this? We will be relentless in spreading the gospel through words and actions. And we will use our resources for the good of the city and the world instead of exhausting them on our own physical and spiritual entertainment. Somebody say, whoo. Right? How often do we as the church come expecting to fill our own spiritual need for entertainment? Thank you. Amen. I got you. It was a little delayed, but I appreciate it. We just keep it going. So what should we expect when we enter God's house? What should we expect? Here's what we should expect. When you come to Bayou City Fellowship on a Sunday, we'll talk about the rest of the week in a minute. You should expect to participate. I don't want you to come to church anymore expecting me to give you what you need. I want you to spend your week 
writing things down and having stories and having scripture on your heart and mind so that when you walk in the door and I say, hey, did God speak to you this week? Did you give you a scripture? And you say, yes, I can bring a microphone to you and you can share that with our church. I want you to expect to participate in worship. I want you to expect to participate in prayer. I want you to expect to participate in testifying to God's goodness in your life. And I'm not talking about getting all weird and crazy. Some of you are real uncomfortable, like, oh, great. Church is out of control now. It's not what I'm talking about. Deep breath. But the scripture says when we come together, we should share with one another these things. Have a word, a hymn, a spiritual song. We should share what God is doing in our life. That's what you should expect. You should also expect to be filled. You should expect that Sunday is the beginning of the rest of your ministry week and not the only day for your ministry week. You should expect to be filled because you are so emptied out from serving and sharing Jesus that you have to come to church in order to be filled up again so you can be sent out to go do it all over again. I want you to expect to be filled by the power of God every Sunday because you need it. Not so you can post it on your Instagram story. And I want you to come expect and be convicted by God's spirit. I don't know if you know this, but I'm not perfect. There's a couple people in the room that would be yelling amen if they could. I'm not perfect. And I expect for God to convict me so that I can grow into a more fully mature man of God. And I want you to expect that God would convict you so that you can also be a more fully mature man or woman or child of God. And then I want you to come expecting to be sent out. That you expect that this is one day of seven days. I'll give you six since we're supposed to rest on one day. But that you would expect to be sent out. To go serve and give of yourself until the next Sunday. Let's talk about the other rest of the days. If you have been a one day a week Christian, welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. I want you to understand that we are meant to live in community with one another. This isn't enough. You know what they did in the early days? They met together. Here's what they did. This is what you should. We should be devoted to the teaching of God's word, to fellowship, to meals together, and to prayer. If you only do that once a week, that's not good. We got to do this as often as possible. Get into a community group. Find a few friends. Figure out a way to spend time together. Give up some of your other time that you're wasting in order to invest in other people and with other people so you can be filled up and grown together. They used to meet at the temple every day. Don't worry, I'm not going to require this or anything. (laughs) People are getting real weirded out now like, oh, now it's really off the rails. But why wouldn't we do this more often than once a week? That's prescribed here. It says that they were filled with wonder and awe because they saw the power of God at work in them. Do you live your life in wonder and awe? This is a question we ask as a staff. What do you wonder at? Are you in wonder or awe? And if not, what are we missing? Why can't we see it? Finding opportunities to share our stuff and have everything in common. You know, the, nobody was in need. Do you know why? Because everybody took care of each other. They didn't wait for a the church, you know, it's like the church is here for you, obviously. We, if you need something, come ask. But the church isn't your only resource. God is bigger than you being provided for by an entity. He's given you one another. 
If you need something, come ask me. I'll give you the shirt off my back. That might be the only thing I can give you, but I'll give you the shirt off my back, but not right now. Like, we should be able to care for each other, right? Hold looser to our stuff. The last thing is seeing the lost found and the broken sinner restored, brought into the fold of the kingdom of God. And I wonder, would we be okay with a church like this, if this is what we were about? If we never provided child care, would you ever come back? Don't answer that. If we didn't do that, would, this, would it be enough? If this, is what it, if this is what it meant, that we lifted up the name of Jesus and cared for each other? If this wasn't an Amazon church where I, you know, snapped to every time you sent me a review, would you still come? Would we still give of ourselves? Would we still be obedient to God and all the things he's asking if, if Jesus is what is what we're going to get? There's plenty of places to go to church, right? I just wonder if this church could be about seeing people's names written in heaven instead of people seeing us because of the cool stuff that we have and do. I wonder if this church could be something that we stopped expecting these moments to entertain us and give us that feeling. And instead that these gatherings, we saw God move. And we saw him send us out again. I have a challenge for you. I like challenges. One, because it holds me accountable. Here's my challenge. I wonder if you could pare down your time. Oh man, I have my illustration sitting on my seat. That's, oh yeah, shoot that to me. Thank you. You know, this has a... Uh, thing, you get that little ding, you ever get that little uh, notification that shows you how much time you spend on your phone? I have a goal that it always says less. I wonder, in all the time that we spend, if we could pare down a little bit of the time we spend on this, and in other ways that we waste our time, and we use it to share the gospel with somebody. We use it to love and care and serve somebody, to reach out and ask somebody if they need something. I wonder what would happen. That's a challenge. So, Find time to spend your hours differently this week. Even a small adjustment. I'm not asking for super Christians all in one week, right? But five minutes, ten minutes. And I want to challenge you in this. That person that you've been waiting to share the gospel with, don't wait. Let this be the week that you open the conversation. Let this week be the week that maybe you open yourself up to rejection just a little bit to offer life to somebody. Here's my hope. Not only do I hope that you all come back next week, but I hope you come back next week exhausted. That you walk in with circles under your eyes. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, I know that's not acceptable. But when you come in, that you would come in depleted because you served too much and you loved too hard and you bore a burden too much and you, and you shared the gospel and you need Jesus. That's how I want to see us come in next week and joyful. Because even in the moments, this Bible says, even though they're depleted, they're joyful because of Jesus. He is enough. He is what we need. And my hope is that moving forward, we can celebrate everything that God's going to do because we are living in community, because we are lifting up the name that is above every other name. It's so good to be together. So good to be together. Jeremiah's going to come back up here and Here's what I'd like you to do. Those of you who uh, are willing to, that are part of our prayer, if you want to come for prayer, I'm going to ask that you just, if you're up here, you have your mask on. And 
If you feel comfortable to come forward for prayer, we can do that. If you need to stand at a distance and yell out your prayer request, you can do that too. Or you can know that you can get hold of us any other time. You can email me directly. You can email the church. You can make a phone call and we will pray. But this will be a house of prayer and we want to continue to do that together, okay? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we are thankful that we have your word. We're thankful that we have you. And God, that should be enough for us to continue to go on serving you and serving one another. Lord, in this time, I pray you'd move and stir our hearts. God, move and stir our hearts. We do just want to be where you are, doing what you want us to be doing. Thank you so much for this, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.